I always like to follow up Gideon. Uh, pardon me. I always like to follow up Kadesh Barnea, which again, as I said earlier, it's, uh, highlights the tragic consequences of not of not believing God, trusting God, and obeying God. And I always like to follow that up with just the sheer exhilaration of of the story of Gideon. You know, Gideon could have shrunk back as well, but he chose to believe God. And I. I just, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, well, not sometimes, but almost all the time, you need to put yourself in these people's sandals. And you need to feel what they feel. And that's what I want you to feel tonight. I want you to feel the joy of watching God. Gideon and his men were outnumbered 450 to 1. Okay? And God routed them. Can you imagine the joy of these men? And this is what I want to challenge you. As we go into the new year, 2011 is brand new, right? It's brand new. You can drive a stake in the ground and just give it to God. Give the whole year to God like you never have before. And, and, and the reason I'm preaching Gideon is because I want, you to see, I want you to see the joy of radically obeying Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Last week we saw, as Oswald Chambers says, God will bring His people to the hard place and they'll have to decide whether God is God enough or not. When you come to the hard place, you have to decide for God or against God. Do I really believe Him or not? Am I really a Christian? Do I really have my faith in, a, in the living God? Will I obey Him at all costs? Or will I show myself to have no faith and to shrink back? This is what we're going to talk about. This is what we're going to talk about tonight. We saw last week Israel wouldn't go in. They had the promise. God had been promising them the land for 500 years. He gave them a fresh promise. And they would not go in. They did not believe that God was good for His Word. We talked about the fact that unrisky disobedience is what? Does anyone remember? Unrisky disobedience is risky. They died in the wilderness. They refused to go with God. God judged them and they died in the wilderness. Unrisky disobedience is always ultimately risky. I want you to always remember that. They were one step away from having everything God promised and everything they'd ever dreamt of, the thing they were made for, but it was the step they wouldn't take. What step is that? We talked about it last week. The step of faith. Let me ask you, Christian friend, are you stepping out in faith on the promises of God? Are you living your life like a, a son and daughter of El Shaddai? What does El Shaddai mean? The Almighty God? Do you live like you're the son and daughter of, of the Almighty King? The Lord of Lords? Does your life have that signature? Does it look like, do you look like a son or a daughter of the King? Are you, are you living like your Father is God and that He's a promise keeper? Instead of claiming the promised land, they died in the wilderness. And every January, I want us to, I want us to remember Kadesh Barnea. I want us to learn from their mistake. I want us to see uh, just how much it cost to shrink back from going with God. I want to, to learn that lesson. I want us to learn that lesson and never forget about it. Never forget. I want to make sure you're convinced. 
This sermon is about making sure you're convinced that your best life will always lie in obedience to God. If you compromise, that's not going to be your most joyous experience upon this planet. If you go with God, it will be your most joyous and full and satisfying life if you stay close to Christ. And this is... I, listen, man, it's a brand new year, right? Amen. I got, to te- I got to preach down in Little Rock and I told him, I said, man, it's brand new, right? It's brand new. It can, you can make it into what... However, however big you believe God is, you can make 2011 into. If you believe His promises... If you believe His promises, and you'll, no matter what He says, if you obey Him, obey Him. Listen, God's always going to bring you to Kadesh Barnea. He's always going to bring you to that place where you think this is impossible. He's always going to bring you there. And He expects, guess what He expects His children to do? Go in. Go in and take the land. This is what God expects. This is what the Lord expects. So it's important that we stand there every year. I want us to stand there with the Jews at Kadesh Barnea. I want to see what it costs to shrink back from God. And then I want us to to look at Gideon and remember the joy of going with God. You remember what Caleb said last year, uh, pardon me, last week, Joshua and Caleb. They said, by all means, we should go in and take the land. Now, why did they say that? Why were they so confident? They believed. They said, hey, our God is God. He made us a promise. Let's go do it. It's a done deal, right? Is that how you, is that how you live? Your Christian life? When God uh, brings something to your t- as you study the Word, as you're, as you're here in, in church, and as the Word's being preached, or, or as you're fellowshipping with other believers, and, and God confronts you with the thing in your life that He wants you to change? It's a done deal, beloved. Go with God. Believe God. Obey God with glad, reckless joy. This is what I want for you. I told you last week, this is the best gift I can give you. License. I I stand here on the authority of the Word of God. I give you license. I give you license to live 2011 huge. You're a son or a daughter of the King. And I challenge you to live 2011 huge. Caleb and Joshua said, God is bringing us to a good place. And I told you last week, if you'll go with God, that's, if you'll believe Him and go with Him, that's what He'll do in your life in 2011. Uh, Caleb and Joshua said, He'll give us what He promised. And if you'll go with God in 2011, He'll give you what He promised. Joshua and Caleb said, God will turn our fear into our prey. I challenged you on this last week. Where is your fear? Where is your anxiety? God will turn it into your prey. He's done it in my life. I bet I could get some testimonies. He's probably done it in some of your lives too. The thing I used to fear now is my prey. Why? Because I have such great faith? No, because my God is such a great God. Amen? My God is such a great God. I want you to remember, I don't want you to forget this, in 2011, God loves you with an everlasting love. This is how He says He loves His people. You think anything can come into your life that God has not planned? And God does not mean for good. God says, I love you with an everlasting love. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, I'm your strong tower. I'm your refuge. I'm your protection. I'm your shield. 
You think anything can touch you that your Father hasn't planned for your good? Beloved, we're, we're, I, I don't know if this translates all the time, but we're Batman. <laughs> we're spiritual Batman. I mean, we're bulletproof in one sense, particularly in the spiritual. Since God says, I'm for you, Romans chapter 8. I am for you, God says. I'm going to challenge you to live like that's true in 2011. If you believe, let me, let me just say it this way, how you believe Him and trust Him and obey Him will be a commentary on what you believe to be true about Him. If you shrink back, if you compromise, if you kind of give God a deaf ear, if you walk away from the thing He's calling you to do, that is a commentary on what you believe about Him. You just simply don't believe He's God enough to come through for you if you obey Him. Beloved, I've been walking with God uh, since 1983. He's never not come through for me. I know I'm an old guy. I'm a lot older than most of you guys. Right? God has come through every time. That's right, I am. Thank you, Claire. Good to have you. <laughs> he, he, he's come through every time. He's never not shown up. Every time I believed Him. Every time I trusted Him. God has proven Himself faithful. Let me ask you. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. Do you believe God is God enough to radically obey in 2011? All right. Do you believe you can drive a stake in the ground? Whatever that thing is that's hard for you, whatever that thing is that brings you anxiety and fear, the thing that you've been putting off and not doing, although you know God wants you to do it, are you willing to give 2011 to Him like that? And say, Lord, I'm just going to believe you. I don't understand it. I don't see how it could work. But I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to do what you're calling me to do. Beloved, what is it that pleases God? I say this to you all the time. What is it that pleases God? Someone tell me. Pardon me? Obedience? Faith. Which ends up in obedience. God says without faith you can't please me. I'm, man, I say 2011, faith. Do your faith. Live your faith. It could be the best year you ever lived, beloved. I'm trying, I'm trying as your pastor to lovingly say to you, 2011 will be the best year you ever lived if you will radically sell out to Jesus Christ. Now maybe some of you already have. Maybe all of you already have. But hey, if you haven't, as your pastor, I challenge you tonight. You sell out to Jesus Christ, it'll be the best year you ever lived, I promise. If you're walking with Him, it'll be the best year. More closely than ever before, it will be the best year you ever lived. So what you really believe about God will be on display in 2011. What you really believe about God will be on display in your life, in your work, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your church, in your money, every sphere of life. What you believe to be true about God will be on display. Will be on display. But, but tonight we're going to see this man who God is pushing to faith. We talked about it last week. God's always going to push you to faith. And we see this man named Gideon. And he's going to go down with 300 guys outnumbered 450 to 1 and God is going to rout the enemy. Beloved, that's joy. That's pure joy. I'm calling you to joy this year. I'm calling you to joy. And I don't know where your challenge is. I don't know where your hard place is. I don't know what looks impossible to you. 
But let me tell you, beloved, on the authority of the Word of God, your Father God knows exactly what to do with the impossible. Amen? He knows what to do with the impossible. He does exactly what He wants with it. He's God, right? He knows what to do with the impossible. So I'm going to send you into the, into the new year and I'm going to, this is just free stuff. I'm going to give you three free verses. It's not part of the sermon. There's no extra charge here. Those of you who pay attention, you realize I work these in about two or three times a year. But I'm going to ask you three things. You remember, you remember this question? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Does anyone remember that question? Who asked that question? Remember the Lord asked Abraham. Sarah laughed. The Lord said, I'll be back in a year or so. Sarah will be pregnant. Oh, she's 90 and barren and Abraham's 100. Sarah laughs. What does God say? Is anything too hard for me? I want you to remember that in 2011. And Sarah conceived and she gave birth to a son. Does anyone remember this question? Is the Lord's power limited? Do you remember the, the, the Exodus Jews? They were complaining about no meat. Does anyone remember? And the Lord said, I'll give them meat. And Moses expressed his concern. They're in the middle of the desert. Where's this meat going to come from? And God says, is my power limited? And what happened? God, God brings the, the quail from the sea and they fall around the camp three feet deep, right? I want you to remember in 2011 that God's power is not limited. It is not limited in your life. You remember Jesus said, for all things are possible with God. You remember? Jesus had just said that it's easier for uh, uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they didn't understand this because in the first century they, they believed that if a man was rich, he had the favor of God. And the disciples said, well, who then can be saved? Jesus said, all things are possible with God. Beloved, I want you to remember that in 2011. All things are possible. If, if, you're, if, you, know, if you feel like you're going to have to shrink back and be afraid, remember these three Scriptures. These three words of God. There's nothing too hard for me, he says. My power is not limited and all things are possible with me. I want you to remember that. Hey man, I wouldn't be a preacher if I didn't believe that. I'd still be doing debits and credits in Little Rock. Okay, I'd just be a mild-mannered accountant doing my debits and credits, you know, with my little pocket protector. And I'd be walking around with my briefcase like I used to do. God set me free from that, really. He gave me freedom to believe and obey the Lord. Listen, I challenged you last week, and I'm going to challenge you this week. To live your Christianity, I'm challenging you to live your Christianity the way that you have always known you should live it. Listen, if you've really met Christ, you've always known it's supposed to be huge. Haven't you? You've always known it's supposed to be huge. It's supposed to impact and, and as C.S. Lewis says, infect every area of my life. God has called me to do a thing on this planet. To give Him glory and give Him honor and to, to obey Him in a radical way. Beloved, this is the best invitation that any man could ever get. An invitation to walk with Christ Jesus. So I'm going to challenge you to live your Christianity the way you know it's supposed to be lived. And that's huge with faith and big with God. Tonight, God calls a man named Gideon to faith. You heard the text read. Uh, why is Israel under judgment? 
uh, God tells us through the prophet, because they have not obeyed Him. Verse 10 of Judges 6. Look at verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak uh, that was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, uh, as his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, uh, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. God calls Gideon a valiant warrior. Now, I tried to uh, research this. You can't find anything in Scripture that actually says that Gideon is a warrior. The only thing we know about him is he's, he's threshing the wheat here. Apparently, he's a farmer. But God calls him a valiant warrior. Why do you think God calls him a valiant warrior? Pardon me? He will be. Why will he will? Yes. Why will he be a valiant warrior? God's going to turn him into one. I know that some of you have heard me preach this before. God is going to turn, what is God going to turn you into in 2011? What are you going to let God turn you into in 2011? You know, I say this to you all the time, but most of us live in these little bitty boxes where it's safe and secure and we understand it and it's comfortable and it doesn't take any faith and it doesn't really matter if God shows up or not because we're living in this little bitty box. Just like the world, we live in this little bitty box, many of us. But you know, God calls us out of the box, right? And He's going to call Gideon out of the box uh, tonight. He's going to call Gideon out of the box. Why does He call him a valiant warrior? Because that's what he's going to be if he'll go with God. You know, Gideon doesn't ask about the valiant warrior comment. It's like you know, that could upset his very safe and sure and secure and manageable farming career. He doesn't even ask about it. But I love what Matthew Henry says uh, about Gideon here. Listen to this. I want you to hear this. God begins the process of animating Gideon to undertake something great. Beloved, if you're walking with Christ, He's animating you. He's animating you to undertake something great. It's true of you. If you're a child of God tonight, it's true of you. It's true of you. God wants to do a, 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 a mighty work through you. So God is going to invite Gideon into the Hall of Fame of Faith. Will He accept the invitation? The more important question for us tonight is, will you accept the invitation in 2011? Will you go in with God? Or will you shrink back? Will you go in with God? Or will you shrink back? We talked about it last week. Peter really did get out of the boat. Right? He really did walk on the water. God may call some of you to get out of the boat this year. And the reason I'm preaching this sermon is because I want you to be ready to get out of the boat when the call comes. I want you to be ready to get out of the boat. I want you to remember Gideon. I want you to remember the faithfulness of God. I want you to remember His power. And the fact that He is a promise keeper and He can be trusted. Verse 13, chapter 6 of Judges. Gideon said to him, Lord, if you're with us, why has all this bad stuff happened? Where are all your miracles? What happened to all your miracles that we heard about when you brought the, our people out of Egypt? But it looks like you've abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. You know, Gideon asked this question that the prophet has already answered. We know why uh, Israel has been subjugated by the Amalekites and Midianites. It's because they had not obeyed the Lord. 
Verse 14, And the Lord looked at him, looked at Gideon, and he said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Don't you love it? God says, you got a problem with how it is? What does God do? He looks him right in the eye and He says, you go do it. Don't you love that? This is what God calls us to. You know, Sometimes God's going to look you in the eye and He say, you go do it. You go be my miracle. You go be my provision. You be my provision at the International Church of Milan. You be my miracle in Milano. You be my miracle. Do it. Don't you love that? I love that. I love that God calls us out, man. He's always calling us out. He's always calling His children out into bigger faith. I love what John MacArthur says here. You know, too often... Too often when God calls us to the hard place and the big thing, we, we assign our own feebleness to God. What's the first thing we normally do when God calls us to a hard thing? We look at our own resumes, don't we? We look, at our, we look in the mirror, basically, is what we do. We look in the mirror and we go, I can't do that. It's not on my resume. I've never, my CV, I've never done this before. I can't do that. That's too big for me. I'm looking in the mirror. I can't do that. Do I have to tell you how wrong it is to look in the mirror when God calls you to do a thing? You don't look in the mirror. What do you do? You look at God. This is what we do, beloved. We look at God. We talked about it last week. We're not preoccupied with the risks and the costs. We're preoccupied with Christ. We're preoccupied with Christ. And so, when the call comes, in 2011, I want every one of you to be ready. I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. Don't assign your own feebleness to, to God. Don't do that. You know, Gideon says, look what he says. God challenges him. He says, verse 14, you go do it. Verse 15. He says, oh Lord, how shall I do it? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh and I am the youngest in my father's house. He says, how can I do it? He says, man, I'm just a farmer. I'm the youngest farmer in my farming family. How could I ever do that? Look what the Lord says. The Lord, verse 16, said to him, Surely I will be with you. How many of you believe that God will be with you in 2011? Every step along the way, whether it's blessing or trial, how many of you believe God is with you? How many? we got one person. Oh, we have two. Oh, everybody believes it. Man, that's what it always is. This is Christianity. We're supposed to believe He's God. And then we're just supposed to go with Him. Right? Just go with Him. Whatever comes, go with Him. As we talked about last week, staying hot on the heels of Jesus Christ. Beloved, I want to say to you, you know, we talked about that little box that most of us live in. Listen, I'm going to challenge you to leave enough room for God to get into your little box if you're still in there. That He can do what He wants with you. That if He wants to turn you into a valiant warrior, that's exactly what you're going to allow Him to do. You're not going to be so afraid and, and scared and, and stay in that box and not come out. If God calls you out, you're out. And, and give God room to do what He wants to do in your life. Listen, I've told you this, tell you this all the time. His dreams are better than yours. His dreams are bigger than yours. They're better than yours. How many of you could give testimony to that? His dreams are more fun. 
than our own small dreams. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I promise you go with Christ this year, radically, the best year you ever had. You come tell me, December 31, I expect my phone to ring. For any of you that take the challenge tonight, radically, to, I give 2011 to Jesus Christ radically. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how hard it is. It doesn't matter how much it costs. It doesn't matter what the sacrifice is. I'm just going to go with Jesus. In 2011. Don't you love it? God looks him in the eye and He says, You go do it. Have I not sent you? Amen? You go do it. Have I not sent you? God makes farmers into warriors. He makes accountants into preachers. I know about this. God has not called us to be spiritual bystanders. He's called us to the fight. You know that it is a spiritual war. If you've read your New Testament and you've walked with Christ very long, you understand we're in a spiritual war. I want us to be like the Apostle Paul at the end of 2011. I want us to be able to say like the Apostle Paul, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. I want us to be able to share in that confession. Gideon shows the weakness of his faith. You guys probably know the story. He asks for and receives three signs from God. Um, God was very patient. In fact, Gideon, if you look over in chapter 6, verse 39, Gideon says, Lord, don't be mad at me, but I'm going to ask you for one more. You know the story? Right? And I, wanna, I, need, I need to parenthetically comment on this. Gideon doesn't have what you and I have. What is it that we have that Gideon did not have? Pardon me? The Holy Spirit, what else? The Bible. Listen, friends, you're sitting there with God's Word in your lap. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You and I don't need a sign. What is, Jesus condemned the Pharisees and, and the Jews for always asking for a sign. Does, does faith come from signs? What does the Word of God say? What does faith come from? The Word of God. And you have it. Beloved, here are your signs. Right here. Uh, what I'm trying to say to you, it's not normative for the New Testament Christian to be asking God for signs to confirm the fact that God has called you to obedience. Beloved, that's just not New Testament normative, okay? You have your signs. Here are your signs. Right here. You have God's Word. Right here. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing the Word of Christ. So I want to challenge you on that. I just wanted to make that point in Gideon's story. Get back to Gideon here. Gideon sends message, the, the messengers out to call for men to come and be with him. And you look there in chapter 7, and, and uh, yeah, the people respond 32,000 men come. 32,000 men come. What does God say? Verse 2 of chapter 7. He says, You got too many guys. Why does it, what, what's the reason that they have too many guys? Does anybody know what, what God says there? Because you're going to boast. If, you, if, it's, if it even looks remotely possible, I know how you people are, you're going to be boasting. You're going to think you did it yourself. So God says, everyone who's afraid, you send them away. 22,000 guys leave. So they got 10,000 guys, right? 10,000 guys. Now it's down to 13 to 1. Originally it was 4 to 1. Now it's 13 to 1. God says, you still got too many guys. So God weeds them down to 300. It's just impossible enough, Right? It's 450 to 1. God says, I will deliver you with 300 men 
against what we later learn in chapter 8 is 135,000 uh, Midianites and Amalekites, okay? It's just impossible enough. It's like God is saying to Gideon, is anything too hard for me? That's <laughs> what He's saying to you too for the new year. Is anything too hard for me? Is my power limited? All things are possible with God. Beloved, I cannot not preach Gideon the first of every year because you have to go out and live this. Man, I, again, I'm giving you a gift. I'm trying to give you a gift as your pastor. I'm trying to set you free in 2011. That you'll live the, 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 biggest, the biggest life of faith that you've ever lived, the biggest year of faith you've ever lived. For the glory of Jesus. Oh, if God gets the glory, what do we get? Anybody remember? We get the joy, right? And we're going to see that in the life of Gideon and his men as they go with God to do battle. Outnumbered 450. To one, God says, My righteous ones, they live by faith. Beloved, is faith visible in your life? Is faith visible in your life? I've told you this many times. Faith is like the wind. You can't see the faith. You can't see the wind. But you feel the effect of the wind. You can't see the faith. But if the Spirit of God, if the wind of the Spirit of God is blowing through your life, everyone around you will feel the breeze. I say this to you a lot. It's just the truth. God says, My people live by faith. You know, many Christians profess to have faith, but there seems to be very few that actually go out into the world and live it. And of course, this is what I'm challenging you to do in 2011. Gideon has 300 guys. They're about to become glad, reckless, joy, word doers. If God doesn't show up, they are massacred, right? If God doesn't show up, they are massacred. So here are the realities. Chapter 7, verse 16. 300 guys, they've got a trumpet in one hand. They've got a, a torch in the other hand, which they have a pitcher over, an empty pitcher over the torch. And then they have like a team cheer. Uh, verse 18, for the Lord and for Gideon. That's all they got. And the Amalekites and the Midianites, they have like real swords and shields and bows and arrows and knives and other stuff. So I want to ask you, would you go down to the camp? Would you go down to the enemy camp? You have a torch with a pitcher over it. You have a trumpet and you have a cheer. Would you go? How many of you would go? What else do they have, Don? God! Listen, this is just what you have. In every circumstance, God is with you. You are always, I love heard one guy say, you are always in the majority. Christian. Why? Because God is with you. Don't ever shrink back. Don't ever tremble. Don't ever be intimidated. God is with His people. Man, we just need to learn that. You know, we just need to learn that. And then we need to, to live it. So would you go down? Gideon and the guys, they go down. You know the story. I'll let you read it for yourself. 
But the Lord set, verse 22 of chapter 7, the Lord set the sword one against another even throughout the whole army. And if you turn over to verse 12 of chapter 8, it says it confirms that God routes the whole army. God routes the bad guys. Now I want you to put yourself in their sandals. Are you in their sandals? Are you in their sandals? Yes? Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine them walking up there and thinking, wow, wow, if God doesn't come, man, it's going to be bad. <laughs> but you know, they're, they're believing. They're trusting. I believe my God's a promise keeper. I believe my God. Listen, friends, sometimes you're going to be in a spot. I've been in these kinds of spots. You'll be in a spot where you just have to preach to yourself, right? I tell people all this time. I tell people this all the time. You've got to preach to yourself sometimes. Don't listen to yourself. You're, you'll talk yourself out of it. You'll leave. If you, if you listen to yourself, you'll just go. But if you'll preach to yourself, you'll preach the Word of God to yourself, you're Batman. You're Batman. Spiritually speaking. You're Batman. You don't need a cape either. You are Batman. Last week, I shared with you that great saying from, at least from the movie, William Wallace in Braveheart said, every man dies, but not every man really lives. I am calling you to life. I am calling you to life in 2011. Every Christian professes faith, but not every Christian truly lives it out. I'm calling you out tonight. I am the servant of God. I'm preaching from the Word of God. I'm calling out the people of God in 2011 to live your faith large and do not shrink back. In all that you know God is saying to you, obey. You have been officially called out. God, don't you love that God says, you know, we talked about it in Philippians a month or so ago. God says, I'm never going to... He says, how did He say it? He says, uh, I'm going to complete the good work I've begun in you, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish what I started in you. Isn't that awesome? Amen. You know, if it was up to me, I'd be a train wreck in 10 minutes, right? But God says, man, I'm going to finish it. And because I love you, I'm going to call you out this year. I'm going to call you out to bigger faith. I'm going to call you out to, to deeper intimacy with me. And when it gets hard, believe me, trust me, obey me. This is the word of the Lord to us tonight. God says, my righteous ones shall live by faith. God says, my kids live like I really am God, like I really am a promise keeper. Is that how you're living your life, Christian friend? I'm calling you to radical obedience. In 2011, radical obedience. It's just what I told you last week. Radical obedience. No half measures. No compromises. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to do what God says in 2011. I'm going to go, as I said to you the last couple of weeks, I'm going to go to the new place with Jesus. You know, there's always a new place with Jesus. If you're a Christian, you're walking with Him. The new place is the deeper place. The new place is where you've never been before. It's a place of obedience that you've never been to before with Jesus. And I'm calling you. I'm calling you to the new place. Hebrews 11.6, you know the great text. God says, Without faith it is impossible to please Me, for he who comes to God must believe that He is 
and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. I want to say this and I'm done. I know that probably most of you, if not every single one of you in here, you believe that God is. Most likely you wouldn't be in this room if you did not believe that God is. Many people believe that God is. You know, they, they'll acknowledge that. Oh, I believe that He is. But what God expects from His people is that they would live like He's a rewarder. Right? And beloved, what I want to say to you, every time I stuck my neck out and just believed God a little bit trembling, there He is. He's never not there. He's never not there. When you step out in obedience, He's always there. I challenge you in 2011, live your Christianity radically. We talk about it all the time, man. The more radical you get with Jesus, the more God encounters you have. Just God encounters. You know, He just keeps coming to you, man. He just keeps meeting you in that place, that hard place, in that, that place of obedience. He just keeps meeting you. You get as much of God as you want. How much do you want in 2011? I exhort you, beloved. I exhort you. Let's pray together. Beautiful Lord, we praise You. You are indeed El Shaddai. Lord, give us the faith and the courage to walk with You. Lord, some of us in here probably need to drive a stake in the ground. We know exactly where You've challenged us, but we've not yet responded. We know exactly what sin You're convicting us of that we've not yet given up and we've not yet surrendered to Your power. We know exactly what it is that You're calling us to do. It's something we've never done before. It's something that makes us tremble. Lord, we want to live our Christianity like we know how it's supposed to be lived. Just going with You. Radically trusting. And radically obeying. We pray for Your help in this, Lord God. We need Your help. We thank You that Your hand is always on us. We thank You that You've promised to, keep, to, to always complete the good work You've begun in each of us. Lord, I pray that You will invade us this year, this individually and corporately as a church, that we would shine in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, in our church, in our neighborhoods, that we would shine the glory of Christ. And that many would inquire about the, the sheer joy we have in our life. It's the joy of God. It's the joy that only comes from Christ Jesus. Help us, great God, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's all stand for the closing song.